Good morning. Good morning. You know, it's uh, my, my wife's gone this weekend. Sunday school, for those of you who didn't hear that. Uh, my, my wife's gone this weekend, and again, she's doing the uh, substitute te teacher's authorization course, so she can maybe sub in the schools if she wants to this school year. And uh, so, so this morning, I, I thought about taking a picture of my kids because I actually got them into the bathtub, and I combed their hair. Uh, I, I did mine, too. I combed my hair, too. You just can't tell as much. But so my kids looked halfway good, and I thought, I should post a picture of this and show people the lie. Because, because like, I, I could maybe angle that camera in, in one spot of my house where it, it looks like it's clean, and that my kids are clean, and then, and then right on there, like, this is the lie. This, this, this is the fake, the fake news. This is what people want you to believe, but really, if I were to take this camera angle and turn almost any other direction, you would see reality. You know what I mean? There was a, there was a time when Jenny was pregnant and we were living in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, we had two small children. Uh, and my wife and I were in crazy land because we wanted more. And if you have more kids, God bless you. But it, it was, we had two, and, 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 and it was tough. But we still wanted more. And I remember one day very clearly, uh, I still remember I ate for lunch that day. I, I went to this restaurant. It was a staff lunch. Um, and the staff was like, I don't know, like 15, 16, 17 people. And we're having the staff lunch, and I get a phone call from my wife, Jenny, and she says, oh, actually, it was a text message, and she says, I'm at the doctor's office, and they can't find the baby's heartbeat. Can you come to the hospital and wait with me as we're going to have an ultrasound? You know that little thing they put on your stomach, and it goes, wobble, 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 wobble. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they used that thing, and they couldn't hear any of the wobbles. And, and, and my wife, so she, she sends me this text message, and I, and I freak out, and I call her, and I say, well, where are you? And she says, I'm on the second floor, and she tells me where she's at. And I, and I, I grab my keys, I run to my car, and, and I am maybe, I don't want to like confess to anything that's recorded, but maybe going double the speed limit. Somewhere in that ballpark, I know I, I drove through a couple of lights that were yellow slash more the color of my shirt. And, and I, am, I am flying across town. I get there and I run upstairs. I run inside, I run upstairs. And not waiting for the elevator, I, I, I go to the counter to check in. And I say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm here to meet my wife, Jenny Pangman. And, and the lady says, okay, take a seat. I go sit down. And next thing I know, I hear, Pangman? And I look up, and there's these two nurses. It took two nurses to walk me to the back room where my wife was. And I walk over to them, and they don't greet me. They're dead-faced, and I'm bawling. And I just start to cry, and I'm weeping because I, I know the news that they're about to give to me. And... So we're walking down this long hallway, which feels like forever, and I just can't stop crying. And I walk into the room, and I'm a mess, and my wife looks at me and says, what's wrong with you? 
And I'm like, these two layers standing here. I'm like, the death keepers gave me a bad look. Like, and I'm, I'm literally mad. Like, this is, this is the reason why, like, if, if you're ever, a customer service means everything to me. You know, like, you greet people with a smile. You don't, make every time. And, and Grim Reaper is over here, hangman. And that's all they said to me the whole walk down the corridor. We get into the room, and like I said, so, so, so. And all of my, and, and, and so I want you to hear something about this, you know. Um, and, and, and as my wife says to me, what's wrong with you? And, and I'm crying. I, I, I just, I thought we lost the baby. And, and, and it, let me put it this way. In all of my thinking, I never stopped and prayed. I never trusted God to be my God in the middle of my trials. In my toughest moments, which, which, which and you need to hear this, this is because this is life for us. In my toughest moments, which weren't even real, I didn't rely on God and his promises to me. No, I acted on my own. I thought my actions would help my wife. I thought my actions would care for, for her and the baby. I thought my sin was justified because of the situation I was in, right? I'm in a tough spot, so I can do this. Things aren't going my way exactly the way I want, so I can, I can justify doing X, Y, and Z. Been there? Of course you have. Tax season just ended, right? Oh, yeah. Think through that one for just a little bit. So, and, and as you listen to this story and you say to yourself, ah, it's understandable, Brandon. I mean, I want you to hear this at the start of the message. No, it is not. We always need to trust in God's word and his promises to us. And we're not even to the text yet, but I'm just going to. I mean, if you did a quick search, a quick Bible search, a quick Google search, just saying Bible verses in time of difficulties, Bible verses when you're in trouble, anything like that, and you are going to get a barrage of them. I mean, especially from the Psalms. It says, God is our refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord, or this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, and he will act. Okay? You cannot read God's word and somehow not get a picture or an image of a protector, a guardian, one who wants you to trust him with all things. You cannot get a picture of him not being the father. And what's a father? Okay? Throughout the Old Testament, and I want you to help me with this one, throughout the Old Testament, we see God say, I am the Lord your God. Is there any other part to that? Who delivered you out of Egypt? You see that over and over and over again. And this verse has so much meaning to me because it reminds me of who he is in my life. He is the God who not just delivered Israel out of Egypt. He just didn't just help them out of slavery. But in the way that he did it, in their most difficult of all moments, needs to be recognized. 
He didn't just say, hey, I'm your God, and, and kind of hopefully some things fell in place for you guys. No, what he does is he miraculously delivers them out of, at that time, the strongest empire known to civilization at no cost to them. Actually, they got paid to leave. And then when, we, then when, when you get past that, well, let's go back a few steps, you see the plagues and you see God act miraculously. And then they get paid to leave. And, 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 and throughout this, he keeps reminding them of who he is. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. And then he splits the Red Sea. And then after he splits the Red Sea, he delivers manna from heaven. And there's a reason why all this is important for us, because daily, 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 God speaks to us. God cares for us. God provides for us. And then we get in just a little bit of trouble, or something doesn't quite go our way, and we act like fools. We drive across town in, in ways you shouldn't, and that's what I did. And, 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 and the part about this, and we're about to get to our text right now, but the part about this that, that is... Um, Nuts is that, you know, I said, well, some of you guys would be like, oh, Brandon, your sin's kind of justified, you know, like, I, we, we, we understand why you did what you did. The sin wasn't driving across town like an idiot. The sin was what? Not trusting, not believing, right? And, 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 and uh, it gets us to this text today, and this text, when you first read it, I remember the first time I preached on this text. I said, what's he saying? And I, and I started to dive into it. And as I started to read it and understand it even more and more, I was mind blown because of what he says in it. Because it doesn't always make the most sense to us. So let's, let's read. Let's pray. And I'm going to read you the text. And then I think you guys, hopefully you guys will enjoy what this text is saying to us. But let's pray. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word to us. May your word have its way in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And Lord, may you be working in us. Working in us to trust you in all ways and with all things. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Galatians chapter 4. and I'm, I'm going to read from my sheet. You guys can listen. Okay? It says this, Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 31. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The woman represents two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. Now, when you read that, a little confusing so far, right? Like, kind of like, what? Arabia? Syria? Slave woman? What? Okay. But Jerusalem, that is above, but the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, and hear this verse, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman 
than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave's, woman, the slave's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. I remember reading this just thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to preach this. I don't even know what it means. But see, what happens here is this. Paul starts this portion of our text with a question. And here's what he says. He's again, he's, he's talking to a couple of people here. One, he's talking to these Judaizers who are pulling people away from the faith. And the other people he's talking to, he's talking to those who became believers and have, since they have become believers, they've actually lost their faith or they are walking away from their faith. And the reason they're walking away from their faith is because it's not just Jesus anymore, but it's Jesus plus go and do these things. And, 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 and the Apostle Paul is saying, that's how you lose your faith. You no longer believe in Jesus. When you believe in Jesus plus anything else, it's no longer faith. You have to, it's not faith anymore. It's now Faith plus works. It's never Jesus and anything else. And, and, and this whole book, this is what Paul's pointing to. And then he says this, tell me you who, who want to be under the law. Are you not aware of what the law says? Maybe it's me. But the way I read this, to me, sounds like, like um, it sounds like when I was a handful, when I was a kid. It's one of those moments where my dad looks over to me and he says, you want to keep that up? And you know what that means? No, I do not. Because I might be a short guy, but my dad wasn't. My dad was a beast of a man. And I'll tell you a side story. This does have nothing to do with this message. There was a time when my dad was driving me home from high school. He had just had surgery on his arm, and he sees these three guys beating the tar out of one kid who's in my high school. He's a freshman. And these three guys are known gangbangers. My dad slams on the brakes, gets out of the car, and goes after them in a way that you guys couldn't even imagine. And I'm, I'm hiding in the chair because I don't want these three people to see me later on. So when my dad says to me, do you want to keep that up? No, sir. Nope. I want nothing to do with it. I'm done. And that's what Paul's saying right now. He wants your attention. He's saying, so do you really want to be under the law? Let me tell you what that's all about. Because if I give you what you want, you're not really going to want it. And Paul is at that point in this letter as he's been pounding away on these Judaizers and these people who, who are leaving the faith for this whole Jesus plus something more. And these people um, who wanted the Galatians to believe that they needed to believe in more than just, more than the words and the promises of Jesus, but they needed their actions to find favor. And, 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 and he is annoying. And we see it in his tone and he says, so you think you want that? And then because of that, he goes on to tell them the story about Abraham. And he said, God spoke to Abraham. And God told Abraham to listen to him and, and to follow him. And, and God wanted him to move to a foreign land. If you remember some of this story, and he says, um, he says, Adam, or 
Abraham, I want you to move to this foreign land. And when you do this, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to bless your offspring. And, and he gives him all these promises. And he tells Abraham he's going to be greatly rewarded. And Abraham responds um, uh, and says, and, and, and this promise goes on through some time, okay? But eventually Abraham responds and he says, you know what? Everything that you say you're going to bless me with really doesn't matter. Because when I die, I have no one to leave any of the promises that you've promised me. I have no one to leave anything to. So he says, you can bless me with whatever you want, but when I leave and when I die, I'm going to pass it on to no one because I have no children. And God spoke to Abraham and told him, you are going to have a child. So some time passes, and, 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 and Abraham and Sarah don't have any children yet. So Sarah is hurting. Sarah is feeling like a failure. Um, and Sarah, in all this, is probably feeling more like a failure than Abraham for this reason. I want you to think of something. I want you to think of what you think it would be like to be a woman who can't have a child in a day and age, in that period of time when that was considered their worth. Like that was what they were meant to do back then, women. The more kids you had, the more boys you had, the, 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 the higher honor you had, and the reason for that is what? Because then you have more people who, who, who are uh, in the fields working, helping out and doing stuff. And, and, and Sarah, do you guys remember very much about Sarah, Abraham's wife? Was, was she pretty or was she ugly? She's beautiful. Scripture tells us that. How beautiful was she? She was so beautiful that when they went places, Abraham would lie and say, it's my sister because he didn't want to take the beating or the, or the, or the killing that might come. And here's what that is like, okay? Here's what I want. This, this is what it's like. I want you to imagine that you have, like, the nicest-looking car around. Like, just whatever that might be for you, you, you have that car, and it has no rust, it looks beautiful, but it also has no engine. It doesn't run, and it sits in front of your house, and people drive by, and they're like, oh, look at that car, look at that car, look at that car. It has no engine, though. It's almost useless. It's not really, but that's how she felt. She felt useless, and... and and, 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 and you get this promise from God that, that you're going to be blessed. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't come to you. It doesn't, and, and, and how about that? When, when, when you're at your most down moment in life, when you're feeling like, like this is not going how I thought it was going to go. So then what you do is, 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 is you start to justify the logic and the reasoning that comes into your mind for, for you to get what you want, and for you to do what you want, right? This is hitting, and it's because we act out of fear, right? It, we're fearful that we're not going to get what we want, so we start to act in a way that's going to give us what we want, all while we're calling on God's name. And so Sarah comes up with this idea, and she says, she says to um, her husband, hey, I just realized what time it is, so I'm going to try and talk a little bit faster, and we're just going to sit here a little bit longer. But Sarah says to, to, 
to her husband um, after trying and trying and trying to have children. Hey, uh, go, go sleep with my maidservant so that she may give you the offspring that we want. And her husband says, well, that sounds like a great idea. Abraham is obviously dumb. <laughs> he should have sniffed that one out like, I don't even know who Hagar is. That's what he should have said. What are you talking about? So Abraham, and, and, and this is part of it too, you know, again, where, where's God in all this? We don't see Abraham and Sarah saying, God! You gave me this promise, and it's not happening. I'm trying to trust you, but I'm just not because I'm me. And it takes us back. I'm, 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 I'm going to skip around on my sermon here. If I have to, I'll skip stuff later on. But uh, it takes us to this point when you go back to Adam and Eve, and they're walking in the presence of God, and, and, and he gives them everything and tells them just don't eat from that one tree and then this temptation comes along and they don't stick to the words and the promise right instead they reasoned in their own minds to get what they wanted but it made sense to them hopefully i don't get in trouble for this because i'm gonna tell a story but i'm gonna tell it generically it's a friend shared it with me just this week i had a friend tell me a story about how they how you know he he left his kid alone at home couple of his kids, and he said, don't go outside, don't open the door for anybody. Goes for a walk, comes home, kid's outside playing with the neighbor's kids. He said, I told you not to go outside, and he goes, but I know him. Makes sense in our mind, right? It wasn't nobody, it was somebody. I know this person. My kids do the same, my kids do the same thing. I love you guys. You know, we, we, we and I do the same thing. I reason for what I want, Right? So, I'll move us along here. So, some, some time passes, and the Lord speaks to Abraham and says, hey, you know, you're going to have a child by this time next year. And, and Sarah hears it, and she laughs, and she laughs because she doubts, and she says, I'm well past the, the age of having children. I'm worn out, and my, my master is old, and now I'm going to have the pleasure of having a kid. And, and sure enough, she has a kid, and she names him Isaac. So now we have these two women, and they each represent something different. And, and this is why Paul brings in, 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 in and uses this analogy. In verse 22, it says this. It says, For it is written that Abraham had, Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. And, 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 and since it mentions the slave woman first, I'm going to talk about her first. So you have this maidservant. Her name is Hagar. And, and when we look at Hagar, the slave woman, we see a situation that, again, I'm going to go back over this, makes sense in our minds. God told Abraham, you're going to have many children, him and him and and, and Sarah are waiting, waiting, waiting. It doesn't happen. So she says, go sleep with my maidservant. And he does. And out of that came the son, the, that one of her sons. So they acted in their own reasoning and in their own minds. What does this represent? This son, this son represents the law. And what that means is this. Instead of trusting in God and his promises to man, they trust in the works of their own hands, even when it made sense, even yeah, because it made sense to them. And like I said, this is what we do. God did not act fast enough for Abraham and Sarah. 
So they acted. And then what ends up happening when we act on our own, if you follow that story along a little bit, then she has Isaac, and then she has two sons, really. And he has a maidservant and a son, and, and her and her son. And then this thing called like greed and, and all this other stuff steps into this picture. And, 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 and Sarah says, I know I told you to sleep with that woman, but now send her away, her and the child, and tell them to leave. Oh, man, our actions are catching up to us in this passage. And so... We have these two sons. One represents the law. Then we look at Sarah. Sarah's birth came by the way of the promise. This is what God said he would do. It didn't seem to make sense to them. That's what makes this so great. God acted and worked in a way that only God can. When we are, when we are in our most troubling places, when things seem like they're just not going to happen, when, when life is at its worst, God doesn't just act most times. He acts miraculously. Because if he doesn't act miraculously, you want to know what happens? We chalk up the works of God to coincidence or to our own doing. Oh, man, I was, uh, my, my car broke down on the highway. And if I could somehow fix it, it'd be one thing. I don't know if you guys have ever had these moments where, like, you're just, like, in the worst place ever. I'll give you one. And you're going to laugh at me, maybe. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Here's what happened one time to me. One time, I, I grew up, and I grew up in a very poor family, and I never brushed my teeth. So you want to know I started brushing my teeth? When I started kissing girls. That's the truth. I, you know, I'm going to have fresh breath. But yeah, I can have any stinky breath when I'm kissing girls. And, and, and I didn't know Jesus yet, so I, I, it takes me some time before I get to this place where I'm brushing my teeth finally, and then I come to no faith, and then, I, and then some years later, I had to go to the dentist, and, and, and he pulls a tooth out, and, and, and he's like, well, you're going to need a, a new tooth someday. Because you're going you're gonna to have to pay, like, two grand to have a tooth put in. And I remember just crying, and I went home, and, and I prayed, you know, Lord, just give me a tooth. You do all this other stuff, give me a tooth. About a week later, this little white thing starts popping through my gum line. And the, the guy said, there's no tooth there, man. Like, that was, that was an adult tooth. This, I was 19 when this happened. No, 20. When I went to, no, I was 21. I was 22. I was married. Okay. I, I, I was 22 because I was married to Jenny. So I go to the dentist, and, and, then, and then, like, this little white thing. And he said, here's x-rays. There's no tooth there, man. You're done. You know, like, you have to pay. You're 22. You don't have baby teeth anymore. So this little white thing starts coming up, and I just thought it wasn't a, like, a, like, a, like a piece that he missed that he didn't tear out or something, and that was being pushed to the surface, and, and, it, and, it, and it hurt. And then, like, two days later, it comes out a little bit more, a little bit farther, a little bit farther, a little bit farther, and they say, I don't have a tooth. <laughs> I wanted to go in there like, ah, <laughs> I didn't do that. But you know, like, like in, in, in our most desperate of moments, are we trusting God to provide for us the most macro? I, I can't take credit for that, you know what I mean? I do not get to take credit for a tooth that's now there that wasn't there. And I know it sounds silly and, and even sounds silly to me, but, but every time I brush my teeth, I'm reminded of the story. And what story am I reminded of? I'm the Lord your God who delivered you out of slavery, out of Egypt. And uh, so... So as we move on, we have these, 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 these two children, one of them the slave and one of the free woman. Um, 
And it's Sarah who, and this is the cool part about this, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up. There's just so many good parts to this. Was Sarah faithful to God's promise? Was she trusting and holding on to that promise? No. She, matter of fact, she said to her husband, go and sin. Go take that woman to be, to be with you. Go sleep with another woman. Go do it. Get the cave that we want. And in the sinfulness of all of that, inside of her sinfulness, God blesses her with Isaac. And in your sinfulness and in my sinfulness, God blesses me with the promise of Jesus Christ. Whoa. Miraculous. Nothing I can do. That is, that is Red Sea splitting. That is manna from heaven. Timothy Keller tells about the story of this, of, this, of this pastor of this black church in Harlem. And he tells about how this church got started um, over 80 years ago. This little white lady from Germany who lived in Manhattan. And she was a, a dedicated, dedicated Christian woman. And, and through her Bible study, she had this Bible study in her home, these two African-American, actually I'm going to call them black Americans, I like that term better, these two black Americans uh, come to faith. And, and they're like, hey, will you start a Bible study? And so they start doing this Bible study together. And, 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 and she, this woman, who, this white German woman, she was engaged to this guy who was wealthy, and, and, and basically he says, hey, you need to stop doing that. We're going to move to a different neighborhood. You know, we're, we're upper class, okay? And, and if you're going to marry me, you need to stop doing that Bible study. And the German woman was torn because she didn't know if she should stay engaged to her fiancé or be engaged to the ministry. And as she agonized over this, she felt from God answers for her desire, because you know, she has a desire to be married as well, you know, and she has a desire to do this Bible study. And, and, and from this Bible verse that, that when you look at the text I read you, it quotes a passage from the Old Testament. It's the one I told you to pay attention to it, and here's what it says. Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who never were in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And out of this, she, she doesn't get married. She, she follows God's call. She lost her fiancé. And this new church was born. And it's called Bethel Gospel. And it's a large church. And it doesn't even matter. It could be a small church. You know, it doesn't matter. But see, the thing about this, uh, God can do more through one desolate woman than he can do through a woman who has a husband. This whole text says that. Be glad, barren woman. Be glad you who have no husband and no child because I can give you more children, you who have never been married, never had a husband, than, a, than someone who has a husband. Isn't that powerful? God can do more through one desolate woman than she who has a husband. Be corny with me for a minute, okay? 
Repeat this after me. I'm going to do my best here to keep it short. God can do more through one desolate woman than she who has a husband. Let's do it again. God can do more through one person who trusts in his promise than a whole army. God can do more through one person who trusts in his promises than full, than, than, I'm sorry, give me a chance, than a church full of self-righteous people. We're good. God can do more through one person who trusts in his promises than one person who thinks they're so great. God is trying to work through us. God can do more through one man, Jesus Christ, than we ever imagined. And that is where we place our trust. So, I preached a long time. I'm not sorry. I love you. <laughs> May the Lord's face shine upon you as you guys have the worship come back up.